0: The bridge of the USS Enterprise, it's the digi <laughs> Now here's two men who always look good dressed in velour, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yes, a Star Trek referen- reference for Mark's final show came to us from...
1: That was sent in by Ian Lasky,
0: who always dresses in velour even when he's not in a Star Trek yes why
1: didn't you make a special open for me
0: <laughs> you're mean oh
1: it's the end of an era i mean uh era yes. it's the end of an error
0: it's not <laughs> well i wouldn't go that far uh oh, so wah, wah. anyway mark yes it's, it's gonna be a good show we're gonna have a good show we're gonna send you off with a bang You've got a busy time ahead of you. You have. Uh, I you sell
1: have... my car, Wade.
0: Yeah, I so sell your, my car. Your work has stopped. You are no longer uh, living at your uh, your old place. You're you're crashing uh, around town. Your place is subletted, and you're out of here in less than a week. Uh, I'm going to New York. Going to New York. Then I'm going to. Yes. Uh, then you're going to Paris. Going to Paris
1: for upwards of three. Up. But oh, here's good. the thing. Yeah. The hope is for you know 89 days, so I get out before like there's any snafus with my oh, yeah. passport I'll get out in 89 days but the hope is is that if I'm st- still getting along with my girlfriend maybe getting some nibbles for the possibility sure. of work maybe doing some successful networking yeah I can maybe leave and, and return for another 90 days
0: that'd be great do that'd it be great. if Walk not on. I'll go to New York and try yep. to get some
1: freelance work and if that yeah. doesn't work I'll come back to Los Angeles and yeah. get some freelance work
0: well either way we, it was
1: time to have an adventure and the, the and the adventure begins
0: the adventure begins and so it's never too late for an adventure it's always good so uh, with that, I mean there's not really a lot of uh, not, there's some news going on, but we'll we'll cover them as we get to uh, some of these titles. Um, it's It's looking like, I will say, I'm, I'm, we're going to miss you for award season because it's looking like a good fall. a lot of really lot of, yeah, it is. There's a lot of interesting stuff that's uh, we've already gotten a few interesting things in screeners, our award screeners started to come early this year They started I, I have, in have September. gotten a couple. I have gotten yeah. a couple. September and we don't normally get them in September. We normally get them, you know, early October at the earliest.
1: Well, maybe they're finally so, wising up that they don't want to be they don't want to be caught in the avalanche and the scrum yeah. of screeners towards the end of the season and then they get ignored.
0: Yep, very true.
1: And how many decades did it take for them to realize that little number?
0: Too long, exactly. And, it, and they'll forget it by next year anyway. So, well, one of those films is uh, *The Beguiled*. And The Beguiled won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival, I think very deservedly. Uh, one of the most interesting things that Sofia Coppola has ever done, a film that I never would have expected to be as good as it is, it's gotten a little bit of uh, criticism for uh, effectively ignoring the fact that there are slaves in this story. Um, I'm, I'm going to be one of those people who is a little bit more forgiving of that in the sense that we have seen, because the book, you know, has the slaves factor into the book and uh, slavery is obviously something that you can't ignore when you're talking about the antebellum South. Uh, but what I appreciate in The Beguiled is that it doesn't... Um, it, it it is essentially a timeless story. The backdrop, in many respects, is sort of... I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but it's almost beside the point. What she wanted to do was uh, something very different from the original Clint Eastwood film, which was tell this story entirely from the point of view of the women. And so the Civil War does become a backdrop, but it is a timeless story. And those who don't know, there's a you know there's a northern soldier who's wounded, who's taken in uh, by this you know somewhere near the battlefield by this uh, all girls school, and um, his presence there proves to be uh, stimulatory and disruptive at the same time. Colin Farrell playing the uh, Clint Eastwood part is tremendously good, and the cast is great. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, and Elle Fanning are the the three main characters. I think Kirsten Dunst is the most interesting of them in the sense that this is a very matronly-like part that she's never really played before. So she's trying to age herself into something very different. But um, Sofia Coppola's direction is superb. Uh, it is really, really well modulated. It's uh, it's a very interesting film. And I, uh, I think if the... If the whole you know, fuss and dust up about whether or not this is uh, you know, ignoring the, 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 the era of slavery, whether or not it's intentionally doing that to, uh, to try to be a little bit more palatable, if that dies down, I think this will get some love during award season. It's, uh, it's a really sharp film. And uh frankly we've had so many slave themed films in the last few years I'm happy to sort of let that die down a little bit and television I like you know I'm one of those people I want to see black actors get work but I want to see them get work not playing slaves for a change that'd be nice That's true So anyway, Beguiled, good film written for the screen and directed by Sofia Coppola on Blu-ray and DVD and Ultraviolet. Really worth checking out. Focus is going to have quite a year. They've got this, and then they also have Darkest Hour. It's going to be a big year for Focus, I think.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, Wade, uh, here's a recommended film that I can recommend because I'm recommending it. The Ghoul. Now, The Ghoul is uh, EP'd by Ben Wheatley who maybe you've heard of from uh, Free Fire, British he's, guy. He's
0: wacky. He is wacky. He's, he's a wacky, dark, nutty, sadistic, kind of comically uh, twisted person.
1: Well, he's, he, uh, he's putting his name on this because uh, he collaborates with the guy who created this film, Gareth Tunley. I love the name Gareth. When I have a child, which will never happen, I'm going to name the child Gareth, even though they'll be American. Um, or maybe French. Anyway, so uh, The Ghoul is wants to be kind of a Lynchian thing and uh, kind of goes halfway to achieving being a Lynchian thing. It stars, it's about a detective who uh, is a London detective. He's investigating a double murder. And there's something about the way that the two victims died that arouses his suspicions. So he goes and seeks out an old girlfriend um and goes undercover to try to investigate the uh the the, uh, the the therapist of the suspect i'm trying to be a little bit uh, coy on this yeah. um but anyway so you it's, you know what it is this guy uh, gareth uh, tunley it, this thing he's got a great sense of mood it's a cool little psychodrama i was very surprised i expected nothing it seems like it's the ghoul is almost like a sounds either like a japanese film or straight to dvd but uh, it's a it's, it's it's bleak. It's poetic. It's uh, it's got a lot of decent scares in it, and uh, there's a lot going on in this film than you would think. And Arrow really knocks it out of the park um, with their release on Blu-ray. They got uh, you know it's high definition. They got a commentary from uh, Tunley, a couple of the actors. So I would highly recommend uh, The Ghoul.
0: And then uh, we got a couple that are. I guess okay, Uh, we're going to dive into some, we got a whole bunch of really amazing, uh, super cool stuff from classics we're going to cover here. Really great, some amazing stuff. Uh, But first we have 2.22. That's uh, like 2 o'clock and 22 minutes, which is the time at which this air traffic controller in New York uh, gets blasted with something, some kind of weird, strange... Hypnotic, bright, uh, time-altering, brain-chilling something power, and every day at exactly 2:22 thereafter, uh, things happen to him and start to change his life. I won't give you any more than that because some of you are going to want to watch this, but it's uh, it's a genre film. It's not as clever as it thinks it is. It's okay, uh, you know, not made with a great deal of money. They they kind of put this thing together on, on a shoestring, and it looks better than it really has any business looking. This is from Magnolia, definitely a um, from the Magnet line of Magnolia, which is their genre line. It's fine. And then all eyes on me, E Y E Z. Uh, this is clever. A, yeah, right. This is a Tupac uh, biopic, which is fine. Demetrius Ship uh, Jr. plays Tupac and does. Uh, pretty decent job of it, I got to say, for a guy who is, there's always a risk when you are portraying a real life person who is so ubiquitous in media and was so well covered during their lives that we still know, it's like Kennedy, right? We know exactly what they look like, what they sounded like, how they walked, there's just no, you, 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 it, you know, you're never going to convince me that you're that person unless you completely step all the way into their persona, their mannerisms, their way of speaking, their look, the whole thing. And at the same time, when you do that, you run the risk of looking like you're just impersonating them. So uh, it's a it's a tough thing to do, but a lot of people do it. And uh, Demetrius Ship does it pretty darn well, I have to say. Uh, I never believed that he was Tupac, but uh, he looks you know, like him. He looks like him. Sounds like him. It's a good performance. And uh, you know, I I still think we're we're coming to grips with who Tupac was, and uh, that's going to continue to happen. So it's not the most dense biopic, but it's pretty good, and uh, it really it hits on a lot of you know important uh, aspects of his life. It's long, which I'm grateful for. It takes its time. It's almost two and a half hours long. Uh, so you know, I'm going to recommend it, even though it it could have been better. And maybe there is a better one to be told sometime in the future when there's a little bit more breathing room. But uh, all eyes on me, e y e z. All eyes on me. The untold story of Tupac Shakur. It's good. Blu-ray and DVD and ultraviolet. W- worth checking out. Probably, what? probably more as a rental than an own. But you know, if you're a fan, you'll probably want to own it. All right, Mark. Uh, we're going to get into the. Uh, we're going to get into some some heavy stuff right now. And I'm going to start by asking why. Why, oh, why are they re- have they remade Flatliners?
1: Because it's awesome. It's a great film that deserves to be remade.
0: No, look, I love the original Flatliners. It might be my favorite Joel Schumacher film ever. I thought it was really cool. Uh, it was the right moment to get, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and Julia Roberts and all these young actors to, to do something very genre-ish and not like an El- a St. Elmo's fire thing. I like that. I thought that was a cool thing. It came kind of around, you know, the Lost Boys era when we were having a lot of kind of youth-oriented genre things. I like that. I think the original movie is cool. Kevin Bacon, right? I mean, it's good. But there's no reason to remake it now. There's nothing that says this movie needed to be remade, it needed to be remade now, and it needed to be remade with a cast that no one's ever heard of.
1: It's no, that's not key. No, 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 no not this movie, this movie. The new one, yeah, the new one. Yeah, the new one has uh, uh, somebody.
0: Yeah, exactly, see? see what I, I, I forgot thinking? her name. Emily yeah. Steve Rose. Oh, that's Emily that's great. Rose. No. That, that's great.
1: What's the one? The, the, the one who came out as lesbian. Uh, uh, she was in the X-Men. Yeah.
0: I forgot her name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, that's my point. Exactly. That's my point. Julia Roberts, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon. They were a big cheese deal at the time. So anyway, going back to that, uh the original is pretty great. Uh it it's, you know, it's well put together. It's it's a smart film. It's 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 inventive and it's Joel Schumacher just kind of pulling at all the stops and really having fun with everything. And I I I miss that. I miss uh Joel Schumacher as a director. He hasn't directed anything in in quite a while. So anyway, uh I'm a fan of the uh, the original um the original Flatliners, which is now out in a fantastic anniversary edition. Uh, beautiful packaging, and thanks to uh, Mill Creek. And it's got a Blu-ray and a DVD in it. And uh, is the new one PG-13, by the way? I do not know. Because, you know, the original was R. If they softened that sucker up, I'm going to be really upset. I, I,
1: of course they did. I, why, why even ask?
0: Yeah, probably right. Well, anyway, uh, new, new Flatliners edition is really cool. Definitely check it out. Skip the new movie, prob- probably. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Haven't seen it yet, but yeah.
1: Wait, I'm a huge fan of uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And I've been waiting for the scene to come out on Blu-ray. And uh, now here it is from the good folks at Kino Lorber. This is uh, about a Depression-era dance contest, dance marathon. Now, back in the day when everybody needed money, uh, couples were really exploited uh, by entering dance marathons where literally couples would just try to stay on their feet, sometimes for hundreds of hours, and people literally just just drop dead on the floor. It's crazy. Trying to win these dance marathons for the little money they can get for it. I
0: never understood why that was ever a thing. Isn't
1: that weird? Actually, no. it's funny is that I did a uh, – I briefly developed a reality show, a dance marathon reality show. In fact, I can show you the book that I bought as research. I still have the book. So we were going to do a show. It was going to be a dance marathon. Yeah. And uh, we were in, in pre-production on it. We had offices doing it. I had the book, which I still have, on dance marathons. Very excited about it. One day, get called into the EP's office, and the EP says, we're shut down. Okay. Because um I think it was Mark Burnett decided that he wanted to do a dance marathon show. When Mark Burnett, the creator of Survivor, decides that he wants to do a dance marathon show, Ooh. our little dance marathon show is blown out of the water. Now the fact is the fact is that Burnett maybe never wanted to do one. He just didn't want us to do one. Or he wanted to do one and then never got it off the ground. But he's Mark Burnett, he could have got it off the ground. Now there's also legal ramifications of dance marathons. Sure. You know, it's possible. That once we got into pre-production, yeah, maybe it couldn't have cleared the yeah. legal hassles. You know? Sure, I mean people literally died on these dance marathons. They were so desperate for money. Anyway, um, was this Sidney Pollock's first film?
0: Uh, was it.
1: Was this Sidney Pollock's first. Oh, feature? that would have been that would have been a hell of a first film. Hang on, Sidney. Don't yeah, stop gonna, the recording. No, not gonna. So it stars um, Jane Fonda, uh, who uh, who's great in it. Who smited uh, Megan Kelly on her show a couple of. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah fast
0: yeah
1: uh let's see they shoot horses i know we're wasting everybody's time no he did a sheet uh well kind of he did a film the same year called castle keep and get this uh no actually that's not true at all his first film this is very interesting to our listeners uh the slender thread in 65 this property is condemned he did that first this property is condemned uh, which is based on the Tennessee mm-hmm. Williams play mm-hmm. And then a couple years later he did uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They Anyway, so great film Highly recommended, love it
0: We got some uh, Warner Archive stuff Quite a lot of Warner Archive stuff actually uh, Two Blu-rays and three regular DVDs It is uh, it is golden stuff here uh, To start off with We've got Ray Bradbury's The Illustrated Man With Rod Steiger it, it Really in one of his most interesting performances This is on Blu-ray uh, Claire Bloom, remember Claire Bloom? Where did she go? Yeah. Just, you know, people from from that era. There's so many actors that just kind of disappear. Uh, this is from 1969. The Illustrated Man, really uh, one of the most. If you've ever read the book, it's such an interesting book. And you would think, uh, yeah, that that's not a movie. That's something that only works in your imagination. You just uh, you it, it just it. There's no way to actually do that. And if they were to do it today. Uh, the you know the tattoos would be all CGI'd and they'd be and they'd know, move like like what's move. that
1: show on NBC? Oh, Where I the was woman's gonna... tattooed.
0: Oh, not um, blacklist the yeah, other yeah, one. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. the tattooed that's... lady of
1: Marmalade Land. Exactly, tattooed lady of Marmalade Land. Can you please write a movie called <laughs> The Tattooed Lady of Marmalade Land? That's exactly that's a parting gift to me. Yeah, there
0: you go. I'll do that. Uh, anyway, but because the this was made in 1969 everything is much more um much more circumspect much more creative much more of the era and ray bradbury stuff really all works better in the 60s i think fahrenheit is a is a better movie than it would have been had mel gibson made it now like he wanted to you know so anyway um yeah it's really really interesting and uh it just has an otherworldly feel to it. That period, late '60s, early '70s sci-fi. You know, this goes in with all that Charlton Heston stuff. Well, there was a lot it's of a dyst- great time.
1: There was a lot of dystopian stuff back then. You yeah. know, the Cold War was kind of really heating. Andromeda to- Strain. Andromeda Strain. It's a
0: lot of really interesting movies. Yeah. Well, anyway, you definitely want to check this out. It's a smart script. It's really well directed by Jack Smite, who was uh, an un- incredibly underrated director. Uh, produced by Ted Mann of Mann Theaters fame, and uh, most importantly for those of us who love movie scores, it has great music by Jerry Goldsmith—really one of his most interesting scores of the era, along with uh, Planet, of the *Planet of the Apes* for sure. We also have uh, *The Lawn Jake Wade with Robert Taylor and Richard Widmark from the uh, Warner Archive Collection on Blu-ray. Uh, this is this is a a very underrated western, I think, directed by John Sturges. Uh, and uh john sturges real you know we've talked about him a few weeks ago real workmanlike great journeyman director of the t- of the era could do big movies could do you know mostly did guy stuff real muscular stuff not exactly a, a risk taker like peckinpah but he put some good movies together and uh long jake wade is is a just a rock solid western uh a, basically dealing with all the all the same moral dilemmas that most westerns deal with using the frontier as a metaphor for life and uh you know, the the idea of the lawman being somebody struggling with their their own sense of morality and justice. Once you put the badge on, you accept a certain degree of responsibility. All that kind of stuff. Uh really great. And uh I, I think there's uh there's a lot of really interesting stuff in this. Richard Widmark is awesome as always. It's just a great cast, and it's not all guy stuff. You know, you also got Patricia Owens in this, who's very, very good. So uh the lawn, Jake Wade, really good, solid uh Solid morality Western. I think uh, it's worth checking out. Here are the other ones. Uh, regular DVDRs, rs uh, manufacture on demand, as, as all the other archive stuff is. Broadway Babies, uh, which was made by First National back before they went out of business and then uh, became, I think First National then was, became part of MGM and then went to Warner. Maybe went directly to Warner. Anyway, Warner now owns all the First National stuff, either by way of MGM or not. But uh, this was a this is a very very early uh, talkie, right right in the in the pre code era, right there nineteen twenty nine nineteen thirty, and uh, when everybody had to you know, once you could talk, everything had to be a musical, everything had to be a showstopper, and uh, this is about the uh, three chorus girls who form the Broadway Musketeers, and it's backstage musical, and it's got a really what makes this really interesting is that your, your prohibition is still in effect, so. You've got a really interesting Prohibition angle on the story And it's definitely a pre-code film A lot of really interesting stuff here It's worth checking out If you love movies from this era Alice White starring in Broadway Babies And then we have Big Business Girl uh, Which is also from the same era It's a little bit later This is 1931 And it's a a pre-code romance not really that pre-Cody. It's not really r- pushing any any buttons and going anywhere that sort of shocks you. It could have been probably a, a post-code film just as easily. Story of a small-town girl goes to the Big Apple, tries to make a go of it, gets involved with some guys, and you have all the usual battle of the sexist stuff going on. Uh, it's nice to see a very young Joan Blondell here. That's got some uh, some trivia value. It's worth checking out. Good cast. Loretta Young uh, anchors this thing. Uh, Joan Blondell coming up the uh, coming up right behind her. Based on a college humor story by Patricia Riley and H. N. Swanson. That's what's interesting about this too. Uh, it's based on a college humor story. That, and that's when they would like pitch things that were just they'd run in college newspapers. It's hilarious. Well,
1: college humor is that website that does a lot of short form funny content targeted to that age
0: group. Yeah, you know. And then this is my favorite this week. A five-disc set, 101 Porky Pig cartoons. Porky Pig 101. It's great. They went with 101 because that way, 101 cartoons, you could call it Porky Pig 101. You get it?
1: Uh, Isn't that
0: great? So the question is, which Porky Pigs did not make it? You had to cut it off at 101. Anyway, it's great. Look, some of the best cartoons I've ever seen are on the the
1: the keep going.
0: I love this DVD.
1: You're being funny. (laughs) You're stuttering like the pig.
0: I just love it. Uh, I love it. You could never do a stuttering pig today. The whole PC thing is... It's
1: true. The Stuttering Association of America would be up in arms. Well,
0: you know, when I was working in entertainment, I was editing at entertainment today when uh, The uh, Fish Called Wanda, which we're also going to talk about today in a moment, came out, and uh, the stutterer, whatever their lobby is, I didn't even know they existed. Man, were they mad about that movie. The whole Michael Palin thing. Oh, uh, Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable.
1: They, I'm not sure if they're really mad or if they just see an opportunity to get their uh, yeah, get their organization course. out there. and Google fundraising.
0: Sure. That's what they do. In any case, this is great. Every Porky Pig cartoon that is uh, is worth checking out uh, is on here. They're all in chronological order with commentaries. There are uh, animation scholars who weigh in here. It's just... It's just, just as much Porky Pig as you – I am I have not yet shown this to my daughter. I have a feeling she's going to love this. I just hope she doesn't start stuttering just to be funny because she likes entertaining. But in any case, uh, Warner Archive, Porky Pig 101. It's fantastic. you got to get this. It's just the best thing ever. I'm surprised it's, it's actually – it didn't get a uh, kind of a bigger – beefier release but in any case i'm glad the people at the archive were able to to work on this they give it really great attention the the restoration of these things is perfect the mastering is perfect it's fantastic
1: not porky pig look bug if, if bugs if there was 101 bugs buddy cartoons they would not blow it out and bugs Bunny that's was totally number two and bugs Bunny was number
0: one that's probably true
1: wait you know what else is a fantastic way what is what, what's pig? fantastic now you may not know the story of Leonard part six Because Leonard Part Six has a uh, Leonard Part Six is in the pantheon of horrible, misbegotten films, up there with it's right up there, up there with the Schwarzenegger thing, Last Action Hero, Hudson Hawk. Yeah, it's right there. Leonard Part Six starred Bill Cosby, and he plays uh, he plays like a you know kind of a super agent, spy kind of a guy. And, uh, yeah, so this is, this is a big bloated disaster. It was directed by a guy named Paul Weiland. And, uh, yeah, Cosby did not, Cosby's film career did not recover. Uh, certainly Paul Weiland's film career did not recover. This thing is just one of the great big bloated disasters of the era. It's a great, it, it really is a great triple feature with, um, Last Action Hero and Hudson Hawk, which, by the way, I like Hudson Hawk. Yeah,
0: I love both of those. I do. No, you don't. I do. I love you... Hudson Hawk and I love Last Action Hero. You're out of your mind. Let me tell you something. In in 2005, they were they were trying to do a Columbia was trying to uh, put together a special edition of Hudson Hawk, a special anniversary edition. Uh-huh. Did I, have I ever told you this? 2005. Uh, 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 yeah. Okay. So this is when I was I was in uh, I was in in Manhattan. You remember we we did some shows where I we did them kind of remote like. That's right. And uh, so I was doing the uh, – uh, I was uh, piggy- piggybacking along. My wife, not yet my wife at the time, was working on a film in New York. So I just went and spent her per diem and hung out. And um, uh, I was contacted at the time by the people at Columbia. And they said, we really want to do a great Hudson Hawk thing. We really want to do this. We want to, mm-hmm. we want to have like a cr- two critics arguing over the, the merits of the film because it's really kind of redeemed itself in some people's eyes. And they say it's not as bad as it was. Would you defend it? I said, Hell yeah, I'll defend it. I love Hudson Hawk. I think it's a great movie. I think it's totally underrated and unfairly criticized. And on the other side was going to be Michael Reschaffen,
1: who's, who's a very
0: dear friend and uh, and a member of LAFCA. And Michael and I were talking about. We're like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be so much fun. We're just going to really, we're just going to unleash on each other, and we're really going to have a have a good time with it. And they kept rescheduling and rescheduling. And I was in New York, and they said, Well, maybe we can fly Michael to New York. Or can we fly it back to L.A. for a day? I said, yeah, whatever. Okay, maybe we wait till you're back in L.A. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was they simply could not sell the expense of doing any extras on Hudson Hawk at all to their bosses. Their bosses are like, this movie tanked. Why are we – just, just blow it out there. Get this thing off our plate. Make a few bucks back. Maybe we'll eventually dig ourselves out of this hole. Who wants to see extras? They could not sell – the higher-ups, on the idea of, of trying to redeem this movie. And it never happened. But uh, I, I praise them for even trying.
1: That's true. Well, I praise uh, them for trying. Leonard Part 6 will not get any sort of treatment. No, it won't. Basically, sure the, film, the film is so bad that Bill Cosby himself told people, I'm sorry. Don't, don't waste your money on it. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would just um, pretty much uh, pass on Leonard Part 6, unless you just want to see like a legendary bomb of the era. Or you want to laugh at the continued, mis- continued misfortunes of Bill Cosby. Um, Home for the Holidays is uh, directed by Jodie Foster. Wade and I are big fans of Jodie Foster as a director. And here's a film that could have been just another cliché, Home for the Holiday, dysfunctional family, getting together, you know, hating each other in Act 2, loving each other in Act 3. But, uh, you know, she somehow makes it real. She makes it real. It's written by uh, W.D. Richter. Now, W.D. Richter, of course, you probably know from... Uh,
0: Hudson, uh, 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 uh for, Forbidden Zone. Yeah, it's uh, not Hudson. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai. Thank
1: you. So we get W.D. Richter, right? Yep. Buckaroo Banzai. You get Jodie Foster, right? Great. Yep. The film is way better than it has any right to be. Uh, it's got a great cast: Charles Durning, Dylan McDermott, Geraldine Chaplin, Anne Bancroft, Robert Downey Jr., Holly Hunter. It even has, and does not, and and he does not bring the film down. It even has, Steve Gutenberg. Yes. So anyway, this is, uh, now that the holidays are coming around, Shout Select has done a terrific job uh, cranking this thing out. Big fan of this film. Audio commentary by Jodie Foster. Uh, check it out. Home for the holidays. Underrated. Fantastic. And terrific. Also, the Oscar-winning Fish Called Wanda. Who would have thought that you'd ever say the Oscar-winning Fish Called Wanda? Now, Arrow did a great job putting the scene together. They've it's a got, really,
0: really nice edition.
1: My goodness. They've got a 15th anniversary documentary featuring interviews with Cleese and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Kline, who won an Oscar, Michael Palin and the producers. It's got a documentary on the film's location. It's got... It's really... They really knocked out of the park with this thing. Highly recommended. Very funny film. It uh, it holds up. It holds up. as just kind of... It's just, a, it's just a wacky, crazy comedy with a stutterer and a guy with an eye patch and a couple fish, and it's just a crazy movie, and it's, it really holds up. It, it really does not age at all, so... Fish Call Wanda, great cast. One Kevin Klein and Oscar. Really fun. Arrow knocks it out of the park with their Blu-ray release, so uh check it out.
0: Beautiful. And uh let's get into uh I love Home for the Holidays. Did I mention that? No. Okay. However, uh, well, you're welcome to mention it now. I am. I love Home for the Holidays. Makes me very happy. Can't wait to watch that for Thanksgiving. Uh, so, we got some 4K. We got some 4K stuff, Mark. Uh, what do you mean?
1: Uh,
0: you're not you're not on the 4K bandwagon no, yet, are you? No, okay. Well,
1: now when it's Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean first. Actually, let's do that. Let's talk about Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, it's terrible. Really. It's like one of the worst of the bunch. And the two guys that they got to do it, uh, Joachim Roening and uh, Espen Sandberg who did uh, Contiki, got an Oscar nomination. They were hired to do this. Now, this is the irony. They were hired to do this because they had made a movie about a boat on water. And naturally, the big wigs over at Disney said, hey, these guys made a movie about a boat on water. They made a movie on water. Pirates of the Caribbean could be in their future. And you know why that is so amazing? Because... There, there's no boat actually on water in this movie. Well, there's boats on CGI water. No part of this movie was filmed anywhere close to a body of water.
1: You don't know that. Yes,
0: I do. Oh. So, so why would you get guys, I mean, what, because they, they know how water looks, so oh. they'll make the CGI water look more like real water? Okay. What was the point of that reasoning? Let me tell you something. Contiki and Pirates of the Caribbean, how do you get from point A to point B? Let me there? tell you something. Do you real-
1: Do you realize that, that all the Star Trek films, none of them were shot in space?
0: I know that. But you see, we have water on Earth, where where, where we can shoot with cameras. Too expensive. Anyway, it's
1: easier to get some kid in North Hollywood. I know some pose, some graphics house in North Hollywood or to Ireland to create an ocean create on his computer. Ocean. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, look—is this—is this—is uh, this a nice 4K looking thing? Yeah, of course they pull out all the stops. Disney does does a beautiful job with this. Uh, this is their their second 4K release after uh, the second Guardians of the Galaxy. So Disney is moving into the 4K world. They're doing a great job of it. It's beautifully mastered, and uh, you, you just you can't argue with that. But the movie just isn't any good. Uh, it's really unfortunate, and uh, Johnny Depp seems to just be phoning it in. Javier Bardem as the the Captain Thaladar, uh, who's yet another ghosty captain who was actually once a, a he was a, he's not a pirate, right? He fought pirates. That's the twist here. It's like oh, so now he's a ghost who fought pirates. Okay, whatever. Uh, this thing they they you know they try to replace the original love interest thing between Kira Knightley and, uh, what's his name? They try to replace... Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. They try to replace that with two new young leads who actually have a connection to that, right? Oh, they're whole, probably the son yeah, of you know, somebody. I, won't, I, won't I, I didn't it. see. I, I refuse. Right, yeah. I, uh, anyway, they, they try to sort of reinvent that part of the movie, and it just doesn't work. They're not as charming, and it's just, it just it, gosh, it's just so used up. You just feel like they're 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 twisting and wringing this to just to try and get as much out of the concept as they can, and it just doesn't. It's not there anymore. There's no way of making this interesting anymore. And I think this thing tanks so badly that it's it. Hopefully, the the one that's in development right now will go away. Um. Anyway, but as long as we're talking about uh, 4K, well, you know what else tanked on 4K, or what what else is on 4K that tanked? No, we're... Transformers last night. Thank God. Uh from the Please. Mark Wahlberg era of Transformers, which is uh is um you know every it, it's a new era, right? It's the Mark Wahlberg era as opposed to the shia era. See, they're sure, two different not? right, you know this.
1: I do. Yeah. I've seen a couple of those films, they're yeah. terrible. They're, really, they're just loud, they're just gigantically loud.
0: Insane. So they sent us both the, the Blu-ray 3D and the 4K. Uh, obviously the Blu-ray 3D is an increasingly obsolete format because there will be no 3D televisions anymore uh, as of now. So whatever 3D televisions are out there right now, that's it. And those things are going to probably have a premium on them someday because... No, but not going
1: to have a premium.
0: Well, but, you know, somebody who who has... There's no content for it. There's no content for it. If you have a lot of 3D Blu-rays and you want to be able to watch them, you're going to need to watch them on a 3D television. And once 3D televisions start going kaput, it's... Those are not going to have any cachet But anymore. no one's going
1: to be producing 3D Blu-rays. It's yeah. over. I know, like, but for
0: people who still have them.
1: Like the 50 3D Blu-rays that are out there in the world?
0: Yeah, you know, in like 80 years, it'll be somebody who has them like 8-track tapes or something. Well, anyway, just, the, uh, A
1: misbegotten idea that deserved to die. The
0: 4K, the 4K... Let me tell you, what's really interesting is if you take the 4K Transformers the last night and you watch it on a television that's 200 hertz uh, or 240 hertz, whatever it is, and you amp that sucker up so that it looks like a video game... Um, some of this stuff is interesting. Don't pay attention to the story. It's just visually, it'll it'll make your optic nerves start to twitch. And that's there's some value to that. Why Anthony Hopkins is in this, I have no idea. I know. I seriously don't. The whole the whole tie in with like Arthur and the Arthurian legend and the idea that they were transformers and visited Arthur and Camelot. It's uh, like seriously, uh, what really like that's where you're going now. That's where you're gonna take this. You're gonna you're opening up a can that just it's just so silly. Utterly idiot, utterly idiot, idiotic. And uh, there's extras on here, but nothing all that great. Uh, you know, there's is, this is three. This is three discs. There's a Blu-ray, uh, the 4K disc, and then a third Blu-ray with a bunch of extras on it. Now, Mark. Yes, sir. Here we go. What? Ugh, another one. Another one. It's 4K Blade Runner. Whatever. Blade Runner: The Final Cut in 4K.
1: Can I say something? I rewatched Blade Runner in anticipation of. 2049 period, Which I haven't yeah. seen yet Yeah um, You know
0: Yeah What?
1: I mean it looks great Yeah Visionary stuff Yeah this, the, this, this, the world is great the, Yes The physical production is great Yes The story itself is great Yes The film Good The film is great The film is great When was the last time you rewatched Blade Runner? Exactly Just Five years ago just now like now now yes like sitting with me what do you mean yeah it's 4k I watched with, with uh, Phil and I had a, a gay movie night so here's the thing so Phil and I it's great I, I wait I, I just let let the, let the cat out of the bag so okay. Phil, so one about, about, about a year ago Phil had not seen he's a friend, a friend of yeah. ours, Phil. Phil had not seen one of the Hunger Games movies okay right and he for some reason he wanted to see it and I had it and he says let's he says can I come over and we'll bring some food and we'll watch uh, Hunger Games and so I called it a gay movie night because really two straight men should not be watching the Hunger Games on a Saturday night. Right. Right. So I started to call it gay movie night. So now every couple of months, Phil and I have gay movie night. And where he comes over, we watch a film, and then we, you know, order pizza. Yeah. So the last gay movie night. Sure. Was Blade Runner. Okay. So we're talking maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. The world, the physical production, the music, the music, Vangelis. all that is great. But yeah. the actual words out of their mouth, it's okay.
0: Great. I was it's looking at it, movie.
1: going. I looked at Phil. and I was like, "Is this is this story emptier than we think it is?" No, oh, it's fantastic. I just really so much there. Rebelled against uh, it. it.
0: It's one of the best looking 4Ks I think I've ever seen. Uh, it's it, especially because it's so dark, and that's where that's where the HDR really really manifests itself. In is if you can see. Color and contrast and shadow, and especially in the really, really dark scenes, if that all kind of comes together. And it just, you know, Jordan Cronenworth, one of the all-time great. Oh, it's beautiful. uh, It's gorgeous. Yeah, whose son is a great cinematographer now, too, was one of the all-time great DPs, did did an amazing job on this. And, you know, the new one, Deacon's going to take home his Oscar finally. You know that.
1: (laughs) I know, but they but they, they say that every time he shoots no, something,
0: there's nothing else that there's no one who's going to beat Deacons this year. There isn't.
1: It'll it'll be like Moonlight too, like some film shot on an iPhone. That's going to yeah. beat Deacons.
0: <laughs> no, Deacons is he's got it this year. He's finally got it locked down, and <laughs> he, he does. He's got it locked down. He's going to win for sure. So uh, honor it. Harrison Ford in uh, Blade Runner: The Final Cut. M- amazing use of HDR. Really, uh, one of the best best HDR implementations I've ever seen on a four K. And then, as if that's not enough. Oh! I know, right? Flaw, Right? Glah. Even better than The Blade Runner. Really? Yeah, because he's just the grain of the film and everything. We are, of course, talking about the 4K Ultra HD release, the 40th anniversary edition of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, a film that was more life-altering for me than Star Wars the same year.
1: Oh, it's one of my all-time favorite films.
0: Yeah. Close Encounters just kicked my... My Patukas that year. Uh, you can say it ass was
1: Wade. it's my last show. You can say
0: ass. I kicked my ass. It kicked yeah, my ass hard. Wade now major. here's the thing. Here's the other thing too. Why Close Encounters was such a big deal? Because when Close Encounters came out, um, I had just made a very good friend in junior high school um, by the name of Richard Libertini, who Mark knows as well. Um, now my friend Richie, uh, his mom, by sheer bizarre coincidence, is Melinda Dillon, who is the star of Close Encounters. So my exposure to Close Encounters was on all levels. So it wasn't just, oh, my gosh, look at this amazing film. It was, oh, my gosh, look at this amazing film starring my, my friend's mom, which was a little weird. That had never happened to me before. And, uh, but, you know, um, Melinda, who is still very, very – who's a very dear friend and who – kind of like a second mother to me. You know, she and my mother were also very, very close um, – and I'd like to, I'd like to you know, try to get Melinda to, to talk about this for the, for the show, which would is something we'll have to hold on for, for the future, um, sit down and, and get her to share some of her, her memories. Um, but it's something that she certainly didn't expect. Nobody at the time. You know, Melinda would, had come from Broadway, and uh, she would go on to get her first Oscar nomination for this, and she wound up getting another one for Absence of Malice. Uh, she played the Sandy Dennis role originally on Broadway in uh, Who's Af- Afraid of Virginia Wolf? Is that right? Probably should have played that part in the movie. Uh uh-huh. You don't know that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Melinda didn't... Nobody... I mean, sure, Spielberg, uh, the guy who made Jaws and we're all excited to be in the new, you know, Hot Kids next movie, but... Nobody quite expected *Close Encounters* to be what it was, and it's such a fascinating film. Bob Balaban and François Truffaut, and you know, a rare uh, on-screen appearance for another director. Um, everything about this, I still, I still say this is one of Spielberg's best films. Oh, absolutely! Because, because there's so much stuff in it that feels so incredibly authentic. All of that bureaucratic stuff, where. Guys are sitting there looking at the radar and all the overlapping dialogue and talking to That's each a great other. Great shot! That's amazing. That's so good. That's amazing. When they're there, you know, uh, when they roll the big uh, globe in on the table to sure. try. I mean, that stuff's just so awesome. There's so much, and there's so many threads to this story. And could we just say, Rich has Richard Dreyfus truly ever been better? He's. Great. How many? How many of us from this era who has not had a dinner? with mashed potatoes where you didn't see who who caught on, where you just start carving Devil's Tower yeah, well, in your mashed potatoes to see if anybody else at the table noticed. You, you've done that. You know you've you know, done that. I have, but it, you, yeah. you don't see that
1: much anymore unless you're with people of a certain age.
0: Yeah, I do it. Every you, single time, of still. You do.
1: But also, I think the film had a sense of awe that films don't really have today. Well, that's something. So when that, I say awe, I mean, I don't just mean, dude, that was cool. I mean, like, an emotional reaction of almost a, religious awe.
0: There, well, there was a piece in the New York Times recently talking about how Close Encounters was the first film of the sort of New Age religious era. It, 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 it had a spiritual component to it, which I agree with. Because there there are things about Close Encounters that completely and totally violate the rules of traditional filmmaking and still do. And uh, one of those things is that it threads together a lot of disparate stories that never actually quite come together. They really don't. They come together to some degree in the climax. but. It's not as though Bob Balaban sits down with you know and Francois Truffaut sit down with Richard Dreyfus and Melinda Dillon and compare notes. There's no moment where they all sit down and and have that big that big you know tie it together real self realization moment where everybody who, whose stories were all going to coincide they all kind of coincide in that big moment. That big moment never really comes. I mean, yeah, things connect at the end, but not in that big kind of melodramatic movie way. And it also there's no sense of jeopardy really in the traditional movie way. There's jeopardy in the sense that they're trying to prevent them from going to the mothership from being there. They want this to be an exclusively government thing, but that whole sort of evil government conspiracy thing. And we're going to, you know, like today they would, they would start murdering the aliens and then Richard Dreyfus would jump in front and say, no, and he'd take a bullet in the chest and then he'd die. And I mean, well, Spielberg
1: you know, that, almost hit that harder in ET.
0: Absolutely. Right? When, Absolutely. When the government
1: guys come in, they grab ET, they put they put him in that yeah. medical tent. He almost hit the anti-government harder than he did. Close Encounters
0: has none of that. It is it is a it is a completely legendary, revelatory, unique film, and uh, the HDR is is as good in this as anything I have ever seen. And uh, this is going to be your reference DVD going forward. If you are collecting 4K, this is the one you want to stick with. This is the one that will look the best on any 4K television. This is the one you want to show off at parties. This is the deal. HDR. 4K UHD, Close Encounters, doesn't get better. 40th anniversary, includes uh, tons of new stuff. um, Three kinds of Close Encounters featurette, Stephen's home videos and outtakes, and uh, a making of documentary, 30 years of Close Encounters, the original featurette from 1977, Watch the Skies, which is such a kick, and uh, deleted scenes, storyboard comparisons. It's great. Yep, one of the great
1: films, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Uh, Wade. Yep. Let's go from... the Sublime. To the, well, the, the the big budget sublime to the low budget sublime. Yes. Legend of the Holy Drinker.
0: Oh, my word.
1: Now, this is a forgotten and absolutely terrific Italian film. I think this might have won the uh, Golden Lion, did it not? Did it not win the uh, Golden Lion? I could have. Uh, yes, won Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival. Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer, he's great in it. You know what? You think Rutger Hauer, you know, speaking of Blade Runner, you think of him as that kind of late career Rutger Hauer Blade Runner thing. Yep. But in uh, Legend of the Holy Drinker, he is terrific. I mean, the film. It's about a uh, Rucker Howard plays plays an alcoholic, and in the very first scene of the film, a guy gives him two hundred francs, just a stranger, just gives him two hundred francs, and to get himself out of the gutter. And so, this guy, the drinker, played by Rucker Howard, he is so obsessed with repaying this debt mm. that the whole movie charts his ability to repay this two hundred francs. Mm. Uh, are you Peter Boyle? Kind Sarkin's of, sort style? of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what that was? Um, so yes, it's definitely an allegory. It's definitely uh, slow moving. It's definitely ruminative, but it's beautifully shot by uh, Dante Spinati. and I just think this film is just absolutely terrific. Because you know what? There's a certain nobility to this guy, even though he's homeless and even though he's alcoholic. He is so insistent upon returning this two hundred these two hundred francs that you really just feel for this guy and where he came from, where he might be going, that uh, I just think Legend of a Holy Drinker is terrific. Terrific. So I would uh, definitely pick this up. There's an interview with um, uh, Rucker Hauer. It's, only, it's a little less than 10 minutes, but it's still worth it. So that's good. And there's also an interview with the uh, film Screenwriter. It lasts about half an hour. So I have to say that uh, Arrow, Arrow Academy, once again, knocking out of the park with Legend of the Holy Drinker, a terrific film, an Italian film, and uh, yeah, great stuff.
0: And then you know what else we got? Star Wars. We have something I've been waiting for forever. Forever. Since the beginning of time, which is not quite forever, but it's close. Uh, Orson Welles' Othello. And the best thing is it 's a blu ray from Criterion, and this is just amazing uh, we 've been waiting for this for a long time. Previous releases of this have not done justice. The story of this film is a legend unto itself uh, as, as it is with many wells films sometimes the half of wells films have more interesting uh, backstory than they do you know on the screen, which is saying quite a lot the not, The coolest thing about this is that there's a uh, Uh, An audio commentary from 1995 uh, with Peter Bogdanovich and uh, our very, very good friend Myron Mizell, who is an Orson Welles scholar, uh, as those of us who know him know very well. Myron is just awesome. I can't say enough great stuff about Myron. He is... uh, He's sort of one of our go-to guys in our LAFCA meetings. Anytime there lacks institutional knowledge about something, and Myron is also an attorney, so anytime anybody sort of needs legal advice on anything related to LAFCA, the room turns to Myron and says, Myron, what do we do? And Myron, like like Caesar, will uh, bestow on us his wisdom, and then we carry on. I don't know what we'd do without Myron.
1: We also vote in his... uh... Yeah, Myron, every year we vote in his uh, home. His, uh, yes,
0: that's right. And Myron hosts our voting meetings. And, uh, and, and Myron also sends out a list of just about every movie that came out know year. You know what,
1: that thing know is indispensable.
0: It's insane, you, 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 go right? to, you know
1: what, it's funny because sometimes we get someone like Bob Kohler and yeah. Bob Kohler who fancies himself as the man who's seen every film and loves, every, and well, loves what but, everyone but hates.
0: But Bob, Bob will also send around a list of the top 25 films not released in the United States last year. Because Bob goes need. to twi- like a million festivals.
1: And that helps us how? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's nice to know what's out there, but it's... Not, looking not, looking not, it not for voting purposes. Not for voting purposes. I mean, I guess
1: for... But, but he, Look, even for foreign film, doesn't it need to be released in L.A. for a week or something? Uh,
0: not necessarily. Not necessarily? No, no. We don't have any rules on that. Wow. We, our, 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 rules, our rules are very loose. As is pointed out every year, if you want to vote for Citizen Kane for best film of the year, you, you, you can. You can vote for anything you want. There are no rules.
1: By the way, you know, I have, uh, I've emailed them three times to say that uh, mm-hmm. I'm going out of town. I will not be able to vote this year. Take me off the screener list. Well, And they have not emailed me back. Don't worry about it. Let, let it go? let it go until they send me the emails kicking me out of the group so bring
0: go. yeah bringing this back around we love myron myron does a great commentary with bogdanovich here uh you also get two cuts of the film 1952 european cut and the 1955 uh, version that was released in the u.s and the uk uh they have completely uncompressed 4k uh audio and the videos restored from 4k it's just gorgeous this is so great uh, there's nothing like uh, like Orson Welles' Othello. It is, uh, it is a fascinating, rare film, and all of its bizarre history is, is detailed in these great extras. Uh, you got to get this. It's uh, Blu-ray of Othello from uh, the wonderful people at Criterion. And then uh, also from Criterion, uh, if we can hit a couple of foreign films here before I kind of... I, I want to do some anime, uh, is Vampire which is the uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer film that, uh, that many of you have probably only heard of uh, but never seen. And you really should see this. this. is from 1932. Dreyer is most famous for The Passion of, the jo- of Joan of Arc, which is one of the greatest silent films ever made, a film that I didn't particularly like when I saw it in school and then grew to really respect it much more. Uh, Dreyer was a Danish filmmaker, uh, legendary during the late silent, early sound period, and deservedly so. Changed, sort of invented a lot of film grammar that has stood the test of time. Was very ahead of its time, and uh, this is a wonderful special uh, edition in custom packaging from Criterion on Blu-ray that includes the book "Writing a Vampire," and uh, it is uh, it is quite a uh, uh, quite a fascinating. Um, a uh, collection of it, it, just everything that's on here that gives you the perspective on this very unusual vampire film. Uh, really, it's just fascinating. It's just so moody. It's so highly stylized. Um, this is, it includes a uh, digital re- transfer of the original German language version of the film from the 1998 restoration. And uh, the audio is chilling, to be honest. Um, it's really great. Uh, it's really, really great. So you should check out Vampyr. Um, you, uh, you should be prepared. It's a little bit shocking stylistically, more so than, uh, than it would be if you weren't familiar with what you're getting yourself into. But uh, thank you also to the uh, Janice Films Collection for, uh, for providing this. The relationship between Janice and Criterion, I've still never quite understood, to be honest. You know.
1: Well, Janice is the... Uh...
0: It, but they, I I don't understand who owns whom and all oh, that I stuff. See. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, it's great. Uh, check it out. Vampyr with Vampyr the movie and writing Vampyr together in one custom package. Uh, v A M P Y R. Beautiful Carl Theodore Dreyer Classic.
1: Now, is he the guy who invented Dryer's ice cream?
0: No, as a matter of fact. Isn't that interesting? I knew you were gonna ask that, and I'm wow. so yeah, there you go. So the answer is no. Alright, I'm um, going to burn through some uh, anime right now from Funimation. Some very, very interesting stuff here. Starting with one of the most interesting anime things I've seen in a long time, because it didn't require me to wrap my brain around like, a whole universe of things that I, I was unfamiliar with. Uh, Regalia, The Three Sacred Stars. This takes place in a little mythical land uh, that, has been, uh, that is on the, on the mend from something terrible that happened 12 years prior. And uh, the Empress is now getting her little kingdom, her little fant- fantasy kingdom back in order. And suddenly, suddenly a giant robot shows what? up. I know. Fla. Yeah. So basically the way I describe this is, is this is like Frozen meets Transformers.
1: Trans-Frozen?
0: No, form- tr- Frozen meets Transformers. Trans-Frozen. Trans-Frozen. Yes. There you go. I love it uh regalia three sacred stars it's uh this is actually really really cool uh great animation cool kind of you know just cool concepts fantasy and science fiction and you know the whole anyway it's good i like it uh puzzle and dragons x this is a blu-ray dvd combo pack as is most stuff from funimation and uh this is a bit of a strange one it's like alien except not with alien uh there's a little boy and there are eggs and there are people who tame monsters and uh you know the eggs don't spit things into your face but the eggs anyway the eggs are what creep me out in this the eggs really really are very Were they scrambled or poached poached and that's what really disturbed me because i like poached eggs Dance with the Devils complete series. Uh, This is from the people that did Princess Jellyfish, if that means anything to you. And uh, this is a uh, this is you know uh, this is about a girl who meets with a bunch of boys, and then uh, there's a weird culty thing that involves vampires, and it's you know it's a thing. It's really well animated, but not my not my speed. Uh, complete series again a Blu-ray DVD combo pack of Joker game Uh, this is this takes this is about eight men uh, in Japan before World War II and um, it's apparently loosely based on actual the history they're kind of like a special team Uh, I I don't want to give anything away there's some interesting stuff Related to what brings these men together and how it ties into the lead into World War II. Um but it's it's it, it it's quite conceptually quite challenging and not for kids for sure. Uh, Sukyuta, T S U K I U T A Sukuta the animation. Uh, this is a, again a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, and um, whatever it's kind of like a, it's Josie and the Pussycats with magic and some guys. That's what it is. I don't know. It uh, it's a little bit too Asian pop, Japanese pop. What's it, J-pop? Is that what they call it?
1: Yeah, J-pop. Yeah, and there's K-pop too.
0: It's too J. It's too j It's it's clearly. I'm sure it's a it's a whole thing that I don't really understand. I'm not really into it. And then the last three, uh, season two of the Heroic Legend of Arslan, Dust Storm Dance. We've talked about this before. Uh, it's very much Lord of the Ringsy. It continues that. I'm, I'm, a li- it just confuses me. I can't really follow much of it. Uh, part two of Hayuka, the complete series, also Blu-ray DVD combo pack. Uh, this is a little bit more teen-oriented. Um, yeah, it's you know it's, it's kids doing mystery with their lit their literature study club. I. Didn't really get into it too you much. Know, speaking
1: of Funimation, you know what? Uh, J.J. is going to make uh, Your Name into a live-action film.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. I don't know that that really should be done.
1: I don't know if he's directing it or just... Uh,
0: Developing it. Developing Why not? It. Someone throws money. Well, here's it. the thing,
1: though. Well, it's funny because he's doing it for Paramount. You know how pissed off Paramount is? That J.J. You know, J.J.'s got to deal with Paramount. And he keeps making movies for... For, for uh, Disney. For Disney. Yeah. It's funny. So I was about to say Fox, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, he keeps making movies for Disney, and Paramount's yeah. not happy about that. I
0: know. We or can blame them.
1: Exactly. I can't, I can't blame them.
0: Uh, and then, lastly, uh, part two of uh, Gosik, G O S I C K, which is, uh, you know, uh, anime alchemy and uh, Victorian mystery and Sherlock Holmes meets cyberpunk. And, I, you know, there's no way to describe this, but it's cool. And if anybody's going to do a lot, li- anything I've talked about today is going to spur something live action, Gosik would be it. Um, that's. The, the more likely candidate for something that would be you know multicultural appeal and all that stuff. Um, we got a few minutes left, Mark. Let's. Yes. Uh, oh, let's see. What should we talk about? Next? What? What? Your final, your final go- run. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Well, first of all,
1: let me let me just say something. I, yes. I, I, yes. This is this is the last time, at least for a year. Yes. That we will be sitting together to do a podcast. Yes. It does not mean it is the last time I will contribute true. to the podcast That's true. or synagogues.com. That's com. true. So let's, let's, be, Let uh, me, let's um, be
0: accurate. Let's be judicious here. Um, you know, do know
1: what I'm going to do. I will do something in Paris. Wade and I have talked about uh, doing like a video podcast, like a video update from Paris, dispatch from Paris and posting it.
0: You know, um, you're a big fan of uh, Takeshi Katana. Right, uh, sure. Beat Takeshi? sure. Did you ever see fireworks? No. You never saw this? No. It's freaking awesome.
1: It's not fireworks. It's it's Hanabi.
0: Yeah, Hanabi. Fireworks Hanabi? is the is the they, it was it, anyway. It's called Hanabi. So uh, Takeshi Kitano's Hanabi, otherwise known as Fireworks, because you see they put the fireworks in the background now, but the film is well known enough that they don't feel the need to give that American uh, title anymore. Uh, it's not well known enough. This won the Golden Lion in 1997. This really? is from Film Movement Classics. Yeah, huh. he's a man. Uh, it's on Blu-ray. Film Movement Classics. Takeshi Kitano's Hanabi. What an amazing movie this is. This is from his um, golden era, really. And uh, it, this is just a great movie. It has a commentary by uh, film scholar David Fear, a making-of featurette, an essay by Jasper Sharp, and it is awesome. It is, of course, you know, about a uh, a detective who goes totally rogue. And it uh, takes on the uh, the Yakuza by himself and and just things go completely haywire and off the, off the hook. It's great. It's terrific. Absolutely great movie. And then I uh, also want to give a big plug to After the Storm by uh, Kora Edu Hirak- Hirakazu, who is one of the most interesting directors still working in Japan. Uh, this is also from Film Movement. And uh, this is a uh you know all his stuff is so deeply humanistic and uh this is a, this is about a a broken family and what happens when a typhoon is about to hit and uh you know the father who has you know who's not he's he's, he's you know the this kid's relationship with his father and his relationship with his mom and his parents have split up and how the typhoon sort of brings them together and reveals things. Uh it's it's really uh it's it's a it's a pretty powerful movie and it's grown on me ever since. And it comes with a short film um as well. So it's it's pretty great. There's a 73 minute uh making of feature on here. After the storm, which was in certain regard at Can by uh Corey Ada, is uh is a really really a good film. All right, Mark. Um yes. I want to Long as we're on this subject you're on the, as long as we're on the subject i know you love this series don't you no i don't
1: i don't okay. like any of the star wars <laughs> animated shows i, I it, it, first of all it's just not my generation of star wars it, it doesn't feel canonical canonical dun yeah. dun 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 canonical dun dun dun, dun. Uh, it does not feel canonical to me however people love star wars rebels and this is the complete season 3 uh I have not seen this cuz I will not see this but uh, it's got uh, it's got a bunch of uh, Star Wars people in it it's got Maul, Doug Kenobi and Maul and all the all your all the your favorite wacky characters from Star Wars. So yeah, if you like it let me know it's on Blu-ray. Of course it looks great. It's all CGI uh, just direct from the computer right to the Blu-ray so it looks terrific. Uh I just it's just too much Star Wars for me. I just I I look at the films and some of the books, and that's basically it for canon. Everything else, to me, even if it is official canon, it just does. It's not how I would like to receive Star Wars canon.
0: Star Wars canon, yeah. they even like the cannons they used to shoot the uh, Imperial walkers.
1: No, oh, it's a, it's a, uh, William Cannon. Oh. Wait, he was an actor, right?
0: William no, him? you're thinking you're thinking of William Conrad, who played who Cannon. played Cannon. Yeah. The detective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What that's okay. It's okay. It's a good joke. It's a good no, joke. Really. Well, take two. Take two. Uh, Ned and Stacy, the complete series. Good heavens. Uh, Deborah Messing and Thomas Hayden Church, before they went on to do other things. Deborah Messing is back uh, in the mix with the new Will and Grace. Which
1: I heard. I've not seen I heard it's inc- all political stuff. Yeah, that's... There's a seem- lot that's of political th- humor. And I was like, it, I, it, you know, here's the thing. Look, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I dislike the whole Trump thing more than, uh, you know, as much as anyone. But I got to say, I am really tired.
0: A political humor. I just,
1: it's like, you know, his, now to their, you know, to their credit, all the late night shows are all getting healthy on Trump. And the numbers, the numbers speak. Yeah. If you're getting healthy on Trump, you keep doing Trump. I get it. Yeah. But right now I'm like, okay, I'm done.
0: Well, it's, I've always said that you, you kind of, you do your work a disservice. You do your art a disservice if you try to tie it to a particular moment. You want it to be transcendent, and you want it to be timeless. And I, I get it that when politics dominates the moment, you want to be part of the moment by tying yourself to the politics. But you know what? You're, you, you, then you're not going to last. And sometimes you, you do have to be a little bit farsighted, and you have to think, how is this going to play in 5, 10, 20 years? Do I want this to still play?
1: NBC's not thinking 5,
0: 10. They're, yeah, they're, I know they're not. They're thinking the overnight. If you're a creator, if you're a writer, Mm -hmm. you should be
1: well if you're his but here's the thing though if you're a writer he's giving you a lot of material
0: see here's the thing with will and grace will and grace is basically tim was the one who came up with this and i'm gonna give tim a total shout out to uh for coming up with this because i said to him one time i said you know will and grace is basically just kind of like a contemporary version of uh the i love lucy it's like you know there's there's the redhead and then the the husband and you know, then there's the other couple. He goes, yep, I can see the pitch right now. It's uh, I Love Lucy, except the men are gay. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm sure that's what they pitched. It's like I Love Lucy, except the men are gay. Ricky and Fred are gay. Are you kidding me? Like, there it is. And that's exactly what Will and Grace is. And just like I Love Lucy, it's timeless because the characters are timeless. So they don't need to have, you know, timely lee jokes. They can be funny with the characters. We love those characters. So anyway. Or there's
1: also but then again there's also South Park. The
0: fact that we're I've been talking doing about, this for 20 years, I know. And the fact that we're talking about Will and Grace, uh, related to Ned and Stacy tells you that Ned and Stacy's not a great show. Uh, Deborah Messing's very good. Thomas Hayden Church is good, but uh, you know what, there's a reason why this was a very, very limited show and it didn't run for a very, very terribly long time. Uh, like barely a season, I think. I don't even know if it completed its season. But in any case it introduced them um, I mean, you know, we knew them before, but it kind of put them into a different place as actors. Thomas Hayden Church, of course, kind of came of age on Wings, as a as a second tier character. Oscar nominated Thomas yeah. Hayden Church. Yeah, uh, maybe this was maybe this went to a second. I mean, it's forty six episodes, so it's well, 46, two years. It's two that, years, two right? Seasons. Two years, so anyway uh, so it got two years out of it but uh, you know it's nice to see where they came from but I wouldn't highly recommend it and then there's uh, Flipper season one of Flipper Yay. season two is also out they did not send a season two they just sent a season one which uh, from 1964 to 1965 uh, Flipper was one they had all these shows about kids and animals there were a lot of them like Gentle Ben and uh, Flipper was, was one of them at the time and revisiting this show I gotta say it ain't that interesting uh i love flipper i'm amazed that they were able to get some of the stuff they're able to get on this show it's well done but i just i just i'm not the stories don't compel me i'm not really into it it's sort of very it really is very limited by the uh, demands of the era that said i can recommend the show because the the cavalcade of guest stars is unbelievable it's you for, you forget it's like 1964 holy cow everybody was working then Everybody shows up on this show, like David Soul shows up, you know, very young, pre starskin and Hutch, uh, Jessica Walter, right around the time she was doing, probably just before Play Misty for me, which was what, late 60s, early 70s, whenever that was.
1: Play Misty? Early 70s, right?
0: Early 70s, so even that's even, you know, she there. Uh, it's great. I mean, everybody shows up on this. It's really, really fun. Um, had a lot. It's it's uh, just watching that alone. Daniel J. Travanti is almost unrecognizable. It's very cool. So that's Flipper season one on Blu-ray from Olive. Uh, worth checking out if you're if you're a real nostalgia buff all righty uh let's see and then i zombie we're just gonna make quick work of this the complete third season uh this is from cw it's you know it's a cw show with with the zombie girl i it's not really all that engaging uh it's kind of trying to piggyback on the whole zombie thing i don't know i never really got this thing's appeal i don't understand why it even made it out of a single season but That said, there's a 2016 Comic-Con panel and deleted scenes, and uh, it continues to roll on the CW.
1: Taken, season one on Blu-ray. Now, Taken is uh, based on the movie that Wade and I absolutely love. Can't vouch for the sequels, uh, but the uh, original we love. And uh, here you got Clive Standin from Vikings playing the uh, Liam Neeson role. And, you know, I think this thing worked as a film. It just worked as a, a big just blast of Politically incorrect, badassery, tight, fun, violent. Loved it. I don't need to see ten episodes of the Adventures of Brian Mills. I I just really don't. So I don't really. I'm not really digging this show. I mean, there's a lot of action in it, I guess, and he plays kind of a younger version of the Liam Neeson character. But still, I, I just think that this was. It, this is a a, a classic example of a, of a of a TV show that was made as sort of an IP play.
0: Yep, totally.
1: Like if this if if this show was called you know the 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 hunter, you wouldn't watch it, you wouldn't even uh-huh. know about it. But because it's called Taken, it gets written up about. Yep. Right, because it's uh, it's a TV spinoff of the Liam Neeson film. Uh huh. And it's just it's just like it's just it's it just uh, there's no reason for this thing to be totally taken. mercenary. Mercenary. That's yep. what I'm
0: looking for. You always call that stuff mercenary, and I give you props.
1: Thank you very much. And this is what this is. So I don't need Taken the uh, season one on Blu-ray. I just need Taken the film. There we this go. Awesome.
0: And then last three, we're gonna go out on a bang. Well, kind of a bang. We're gonna go out on a we're gonna go out on something special. Should
1: I spend so, nine hundred and fifty dollars on tickets yes. for
0: Springsteen on Broadway? Yes.
1: So Springsteen is playing like twelve weeks on Broadway. I'm gonna be in New York for two weeks, right? Yeah. Starting on Friday. Yep. I have a bot mitzvah to go to Yep. through the end of October. There you go. Um, so Springsteen is starting his whole thing. Mm-hmm. But tickets are very, 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 very expensive. Mm-hmm. And the cheapest I can find on StubHub is $950. Yep. Should I spend $950 to see Springsteen for two hours? Yes. At the Walter Kerr Theater on Broadway? Sure. Less than 1,000 seats? Sure. He's used to playing in in, in arenas with 80,000. Why not?
0: All right. And then when the heart When Calls the Heart, six movie collection, year four. So they finally just jam all this stuff on here. We've been talking about these things. This thing, you know, it's got a very Landon-y deal. This is executive produced by Michael Landon Jr. had it's very much in the vein of what his what his dad would have done. And uh, you know, Hope Valley and all of the wonderful people, the wholesome. All American people who just have all of their little life changing moments there. It's it's all so wonderful and it's all so just pat. But uh nonetheless, releasing this one and that one and they get they all kind of mix up at a certain point. And Lori Laughlin just doesn't age, which is very strange. I think she's a you know, Lori
1: Laughlin was so get this Lori Laughlin, she she was on my show. On yeah, e. I know. So I was standing ten feet away from Lori Laughlin. A she's gorgeous. Yeah. And she's uh, she's fit and thin and yeah. beautiful and, and doesn't age but she look you know what it is you can if you look at her long enough which of course is to her credit because you have to look yeah. at her long enough to realize this if you look at her long enough she's older than us i mean she's yeah. like i think she's
0: like fifty six, thousand years old
1: no you know what she's not no, I'm not she's, not she, no she's, she's late in like 40s, late 40s or something. she's late 40s but i'm telling you for late 40s yeah. you kidding me? she's
0: great and then we also have loch ness series one uh, this is from ITV. This is an original Acorn TV release here from uh, RLJ Entertainment. Um, I, as you can imagine, this takes place in Scotland, and it's it's kind of a a small town murder mystery show uh, set right around Loch Ness. So don't expect to see you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of monster stuff in here that's not the whole point it's a it's a it's a crime show it's a rural crime show and uh it's a it's good solid you know uk mystery stuff it's very very good um well done Laura frazier who is the um detective who kind of anchors this thing is really really good and uh really worth checking out so if you like this genre you're totally going to dig this this is the loch ness series one uh it's very cool i'm glad they uh Glad they did that. Just don't exe- expect to see a Loch Ness monster in it. That's not what it's all about. Boo. And then, Mark, I'm going to take you out with something true to your heart The Great British Baking Show, you know Season what? 4.
1: My family, yes. and they do a lot of baking, they love this show. They recommend this show. They will not rest until I've watched every episode of the show, know. and I've seen none of it.
0: You need to. Why? Shall I send you on your way with this DVD? Cake, biscuits, patisserie. Pastry, bread, they bake everything on here. No, you know what, it's honestly, endless. my
1: family, they love this effing show. They think it's, it's sh- so it's great.
0: Well, as they say, cooking is art and baking is chemistry. That is true. And you've got to get, like, you know, you with, with cooking, which is why I cook and I don't bake, my wife is a baker, you... You know, you know, you leave it in another thirty seconds or twenty seconds or five minutes. It doesn't matter. It's just gonna, you know, it's pretty as long as the the chicken is cooked, as long as the vegetables are roasted, give or take a minute or two. The grill, whatever you're doing it with, you don't have to be that exact. A little bit of salt, a little more salt, a little bit of pepper. You can kind of play with it. Not when you're baking. If you put if you put just one little speck of of, of baking soda in that you shouldn't. If it's, it has one little half a mic microbe of. Uh, Yeast less than it needs, the whole thing falls. It's terrible. It's yeah, a disaster. And, and the
1: thing is that, like, if you're baking, let's say something simple like cookies. Yeah. If you bake it for 45 seconds too long, you can't take it back. No, it's, it's done. over. It's over. At, at least if you're cooking a big pot of pasta. To the and, second. And, yes.
0: To the degree. Yes. It's not like, yeah you know, between 425 and 450 for you know anywhere from six to 12 minutes. No, there there isn't. It's you have to have it at exactly this temperature. Anyway, that's what's that's amazing. Right. And I was, so, I
1: was, I am, was. I don't know why I'm saying was. Uh, I'm a good baker.
0: You are a great baker. So uh, I am going to highly recommend, on behalf of Mark, The Great British British Baking Show Season 4 continues to roll. Uh, These people are amazing. It is a very entertaining show uh the it, it it really it it just makes baking fun and it really encourages you to uh to master this incredible right. scientific skill that is baking i i'm a little bit inspired still intimidated but a little bit inspired so we will do it all right mark with that oh, we wish you well tim and i will hold the fort down for you we will communicate with you we'll do skype things we'll have all kinds of fun go and visit our sites uh, digigods.com and cinegods.com also sign up for the cinegods Facebook page and tell us what you think of the new site, T- send us suggestions what has to change, font bigger more photos, this that, the other thing tell us what you needed to do we are we are ready to make all the changes necessary it's going to be a lot of fun going, going forward alright everyone, wish Mark well, Mark oh, wow. I've had a few but then again
1: And more Much more than this I did it my
0: way Yes, still were time